All right. Uh, this morning we're actually going to be in Romans chapter one. Uh, take a little uh, detour here to uh, the book of Romans, really the letter of Romans. And uh, this thing is up tall. Mia, after I guess last week's service was pretending to teach the Bible, she stood up on her stool and put her book on top of the thing. So I think we adjusted it. But uh, Romans was written by Paul to the church in Rome. Obviously, Romans, Rome. Um, it was the, the longest letter written by the Apostle Paul, and it was actually probably written from Corinth, uh, which to me is interesting uh, because it sounds a lot like the Corinthian letters in its introduction. If you read Corinthians first and second, and then Romans, uh, very similar in the beginning. As we've seen in Acts, we've seen uh, the transformation of Saul to Paul, uh, what God has done in his life, was doing in his life as uh, we're going through our study there, how God began to open up the door to the Gentiles. And we see that there is this church in Rome, in the height of the Roman Empire, under uh, Caesars, and there's a, a thriving church there. Um, and Acts 22 through 3 says, Now when he had gone over to that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him, as he was about to set sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. So this is around the time um, you know, that he's headed towards Rome. Uh, but it was written in the mid to late 50s A.D. And uh, a couple of questions again to start our study together. But really, when you get up in the morning, what is your reason to go on living. Sometimes Monday morning it's like, well, I have to go to work because if I don't go to work, they're going to fire me. I'm not going to pay my bills. But uh, really, like this morning, I was up uh, early, very early, and that's uh, very uncharacteristic for me. I'm not really a morning person, but I was up before before the crack of dawn. I was up. Um, Jacob had been up all night. I've been keeping Ashley up, and uh, we had actually gone to bed early when the kids went to bed. But I was up. I went and did some things. I got some gas. I went to the store. Spent some time with the Lord, and uh, but it was different. But really, what was my reason this morning? This morning, I could say it was the Lord, but not every morning is that easy. Some mornings, like I said, are a little harder. But really, what is our reason to go on living when we get up? Is there some some purpose that we hang on to, um, or is there not? You know, uh, we heard this week uh, at work, at least, of this famous uh, BMX biker who killed himself, and he was 41. He was very famous. He accomplished a lot of things in his sport. But his life apparently was very empty, that he had um, problems, he had issues, and he woke up one morning recently and he didn't have a reason to live anymore that he found and he took his own life, sadly. But, um, you know, when you are in the midst of trouble, where do you look for help? You know, when we're in trouble, do we look somewhere for help? You know, when we're lost, we look to our GPS and, oh no, my phone rebooted. You know, I had to get a new phone recently because my phone became very unreliable and I don't want to be out there out of communication with my family or uh, without GPS. But where do we look for help when we're in trouble? Is there some place we can look to for help? Is there someone that we can confide in um, and, and can turn to? But also, when God promises us something in his word, how do we get it? If God's promised something to us, how do we get it? You know, if, if you've promised me something or I've promised you something, perhaps I've, you know, someone's promised to, to give you a gift on your birthday, um, you know, how do you get that? Well, you put your hands out and hopefully they show up at the party and, and give you that gift. Um, and we'll see. Maybe there's a way that we get things, you know, the, not in a, in, a, in a crass way, but God promises us a lot of things in the scripture. And God's not going to promise this, these things and then not expect us to receive them or to get them. Um, you know, he wouldn't say something and not, and not do it. Uh, but Lord, we ask again that as we get into your word, you would just uh, speak it to us and, 
and uh, minister to us and help us to receive your promises this morning to uh, take away, hopefully, God, some piece of scripture that, God, you give us this morning to just hang on to, to give us a reason to get up, to give us a reason to keep going, to be our help. And please be with the family of that person uh, who took their own life. Please minister to um, his family and his friends and just uh, may you be glorified in it. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's read first uh, seven verses here in Romans chapter 1. It says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we see here that Paul introduced himself. Paul, his name, a bondservant. A bondservant. And we've looked at this word before, but this word here is doulos. Doulos. It's a slave. Um, they're devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interest. You know, again, uh, we probably looked over it, but a doulos was a slave. You know, in slavery, the Bible talks about slavery. It doesn't necessarily say that slavery is uh, something as a believer to be escaped. If you were in slavery, the Bible doesn't say, do everything you can to not be a slave. It says if you're given an opportunity for freedom, then take it. But it also says slaves obey your masters and, and masters be good to your slaves. Um, but they had sort of a different idea. Maybe it's more the idea of where sometimes there was rough slavery, but sometimes it was more, well, you had a debt and you had to pay out that debt and you'd be a slave for a certain amount of time. Um, but also in the Jewish laws, they had opportunity for, you know, uh, slavery to be ended after a certain time period. After 49 years, your jubilee, land would return back, op opportunities for credit would be returned. Um, so there was the idea of slavery, but there was always a way out of it. You know, in America, we definitely have a bad taste uh, to slavery in our mouth. And not that I would put it, want to be in slavery or want to have anyone as my slave, but we have this uh, sometimes a different view because we, are, we have slavery based on, uh, based on who the person was as opposed to um, uh, necessarily being a credit issue. Although I'm sure a lot of that went on, and I'm not saying that slavery was good in any in any idea, but this idea that he's a doulos, a slave, that a slave perhaps was a servant in someone's household and they were in that household. And after the time came when they could have been free, they could have chosen to go free. They chose as a doulos to remain a slave to their master. Why? Not because they had to, but because they wanted to, because they said, my master is good to me. My, I've got family in, in this house. Perhaps the, he has a, a wife or, or family in the house that would still be the slave's property, the master's property. And he wanted to stay there with them. But also, man, that this my master has been so good to me. It's 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 a it's a joy to stay here and serve. And that's what what Paul calls himself here, a doulos, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. That yeah, Paul was saved and was given freedom, but he calls himself a doulos. In no way, even though uh, maybe I Paul could do anything else I wanted, theoretically, this is what he wanted to do. Um, and not that I'm anywhere near Paul, but in a sense, I can kind of relate to that. That while although maybe I do have freedom to do whatever else I want in my life. I don't really have that freedom to do that, and I'm happy to not have the freedom. I'm happy to have the slavery of the call to Jesus Christ in my life, not even just as a role of a pastor, but as a believer that, man, Jesus has done so much for us, and he's such a good master to us. 
why would we want to claim our own rights? You know, uh, anything that we want to achieve outside of Jesus is really not as good as, as what he would have given us um, uh, with him. But he chose, he chose, this, he chose this title. Um, but he was called to be an apostle, um, you know, and that's something that's the calling on his life, that he saw Jesus. Jesus showed up to him on the road there. You know, we think of other uh, servants and slaves. You know, Jesus met the centurion with a sick servant in Matthew chapter 8, 5 through 10. It says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am also a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great, such great faith, not even in Israel. Jesus, I believe we looked at this before in our study in Acts, that he found this, this great faith in a Gentile soldier. And the reason why the soldier had the faith, in a sense, was, um, you know, obviously God gave him a measure of faith. But he knew that Jesus had authority. He knew that Jesus had authority because Jesus was God. He said, I know that if you just say these words, Jesus, you know, you don't, I'm not going to waste your time and have you come to my house. I know if you just say the word, you can heal him because I have guys who are my servants. I have soldiers under my command who when I tell them to go do this, to go arrest that man or go do this battle or go do this reconnaissance or go do anything I ask them, they do it and they do it right away. And I know that you have that power and even greater than that um, uh, to Jesus. And Jesus healed his, his, uh, his loved one. But the centurion knew about authority, you know, in the same way the centurion knew about authority, we know about earthly authority. I think sometimes we forget that there is a heavenly authority that goes on, that God, through Jesus, he has all the authority. He has all the authority in our lives. He doesn't uh, exact it over us as a dictator might exact over us, where we have to get the same haircut, or we have to um, uh, worship him under force. Or we have to do this or do that or, or anything. You know, we're given an opportunity through grace to turn to him in love. And it's not enforced as it will be one day. Um, you know, when men tend to get power and men tend to have great authority here on earth, they tend to try and pile up even more authority for themselves and try and exact it in our lives that um, we turn and we, we, we turn from it. And we don't necessarily want to love it. But, you know, again, that there's a, a, a choice here to being a servant and a bond servant that, you know, a servant is going to do it whether they like it or not. Sometimes, you know, you ask your kids to do something and, you know, we're asking Mia not to do something earlier. And she's like, but it's fun. I'm like, well, mommy said no, so you need to stop, you know, and sometimes, you know, we're obedient in that sense where just because we have to be. And that sometimes is really a servant or, you know, think of maybe a hireling. Sometimes you go to work just because you have to. You don't always want to go. Um, but a, a bondservant wants to serve. A bondservant wants to say yes. Um, but, you know, uh, that this was promised that, um, I've, I've lost my place here, but that, that he, which was promised in verse 2, he promised through the scriptures and the holy scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, that this, this, promise, to, this promise of Jesus was promised in the scriptures uh, but, but Paul was also called to be an apostle, apostle separated the gospel of God, that God promised this gospel. God promised it of all the time, that, you know, that the lens of Scripture um, would not only look to the Lord coming, but would also bring about these promises in men's lives who look to the Lord. That the reason why you and I are a believer is because God looked forward to the future, in a sense, or looked back to the future, however you look at it. 
And he knew that, that we would turn and have faith in him. He knew that we would, would follow him based on his love for us. You know, Jesus was, a, was born a man according to King David's line. He was born God according to the Holy Spirit. But as we know in the scriptures, this was promised to David way ahead of time that Jesus would come. This was promised to King David, a man who had many faults through his line, through his kingly line would last forever. You know, and this is proof of his heavenly authority of, uh, was his resurrection from the dead. That the proof that Jesus has authority over death, the proof that Jesus has authority over sin, was that he died, and what? That God raised him from the dead. You know, that's authority right there. That's real authority, um, that you're free from these things. You know, it's like uh, the boss can come and go when he wants because he's the boss. You know, you come and go when you want at work. You probably won't have a job there anymore unless they're very, very lax on those things. Um, and that's the thing. You know, God has the authority. He came and, he came and went when he wanted from life. He laid down his life, he died, he came back, and he's coming back when he wants to. You know, but this salvation and calling come through grace. Like verse 5 says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship through obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. That these things come through Jesus. You know, we are called to be obedient, not to the law, but to faith. That when God asks us to be obedient, he's not saying, do this, do that, fulfill this law, fulfill that law that I have and separate from a relationship. He says, I call you to be obedient to faith, to Jesus. You know, I've given you an opportunity to believe in me for who I am by your own choice, by your own free will. But come to me by faith that I might bless you, that you might receive that. You know, obedience to the law really tends us to lead us to glory in ourselves. You find someone who's very legalistic or feel like they're very accomplished in their own mind, whether in uh, spirituality or in anything in the world, they can be very downputting. You know, that's why a lot of people were, were put off by going to the gym because you get those meatheads there who are, are big in the gym and they'll look down on anyone else who's not really working out. That's why they have whole, like Planet Fitness, they have these ads where, you know, uh, it's, I forget what they call it, but basically don't be worried about coming here because everyone else is coming here to get in shape. But sometimes people who think that they're in spiritual shape, so to speak, We'll look down on those who are just coming to the faith, who are just beginning to have faith. And, oh, look at this person. They, can, they still smell like smoke when they came in here. Oh, look what they're wearing. I can't believe what they're wearing. Well, do you know what they were doing last week? Do you know the change in their life in this past week? Do you know the fact that they've never wanted to step in church, but now God has got a hold of them and they've stepped in church? How dare you judge them? You know, and I think we all fall into that because we think, oh, well, we've been obedient for X amount of time. Um, but that's, that's not it. We tend to glory in ourselves and our own obedience. But when we're obedient to the call of faith, Jesus will lead us in glory and bring glory to Jesus. That, yeah, there will be, in a sense, a, a glory in our lives, but it's only because we're near the one who is glorious. His glory will then overflow and overflow into our lives and, and glow from us um, because of faith. Because when do, people do see that we're obedient, when people do, or even ourselves, see that there's a, a, a path of obedience in our life, we go, I know it wasn't me. Because I know who I am, and I know who Jesus was. And I know that these things in my life are in my life because Jesus is in my life. And I know the only reason why I'm free from uh, the sins that I used to struggle with is because of Jesus Christ. And then when someone comes up to us who's struggling with those same things, we now have an opportunity to reach them in faith and share with them our faith in Jesus and what his ability was in our life, as opposed to saying, come on now, can't you go without a smoke for two days? Or can't you do this? Can't you be faithful to your wife? Can't you do this? How come you're eating that? You know, we don't put a, a set of laws like we talked about last week, this yoke, this burden that they couldn't bear in them, but instead we can strengthen them through faith and encourage them in the faith. 
You know, Hebrews 11, 1 through 2 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by the elders obtained a good testimony. We know that faith really is putting our stock in something that's coming in the future. We know that Jesus is coming back. We believe that he's coming back. How is that palpable in our lives? How is that substance in our lives? Do our lives really have a substance that that is fact, that that is coming? You know, and it says that they obtained a good testimony. Well, what's a testimony? What's my testimony? What's your testimony? You know, is there something in your life? Is there one thing even in your life, in my life, that we can say that that thing is in my life because Jesus Christ is in my life? Whether it's your spouse, whether it's your kids, whether it's your job, whether it's a car, whether it's, um, you know, the fact that you're patient or the fact that you don't do this anymore or don't do that anymore. And you know that it's because of Jesus and not because of, uh, you know, the quote unquote nicotine patch. But it says that this is how they obtained a good testimony. That these guys in the Old Testament who we see written out that have faith, like David, Moses, Joseph, Daniel, uh, the list goes on and on, have a good testimony. We look up to them, not because they were great in and of themselves, really, but because they had faith. And who are the ones that we go, oh, I don't know if I want to be like Saul. Well, why? Because Saul didn't have faith. Saul put his, his faith in other things other than Jesus. He put it in his popularity. He put it in himself. He put it in his own wisdom and his one ability to go in and be in priest. Um, but he didn't put it in simple obedience to what God had asked him to do. And that's how we get a good testimony. It's not through our works, but it's through faith. Because if people look at our works, they're going to notice that there's a plot hole somewhere along the line. You know, when we watch a movie or we watch a TV show and you look at it, you know, kind of objectively and not kind of at the hype, you kind of go, this movie's not all as great as they said it would be. This doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. They have whole YouTube channels devoted to these things where they pick apart everything wrong with a brand or with a movie. And I guarantee if, if, if we were honest and we looked at our lives and we were to look, pick apart the works of our lives, we'd say, well, we missed church this day. We were late to work this day. We said this on the highway. We did this. You know what I mean? We would look at our lives and say, wow, our works, uh, our good works really don't outweigh our bad works. But our faith is what's key here because... Uh, faith comes from above. Our works, uh, our works should really come from that faith. But the call of faith really is to all believers, and in fact, it's to all people. It's not just to, to leadership. You know, like Pastor Sean was sharing yesterday at the men's thing, was that it's for everybody, that we have this misconception in our minds that it's just for those in leadership. It's just to be behind the pulpit, that a successful Christian life is one that ends up in the pulpit. And I would say probably not. I would say, at least for myself, a, a failing Christian life has led me to the pulpit in a sense because that's just the way God has brought me and perhaps he can't use me somewhere else. But perhaps you're very gifted in business. Perhaps you're very gifted in science or perhaps you're gifted in some other area and God says, I want to use you out there. Today, maybe you're very gifted in football and there's a Christian playing in the Super Bowl today. I don't know. God has brought them to there to that position for a reason and their life may be very successful as a Christian. But maybe it's the guy we never hear about. You know, like yesterday, uh, we were looking at apartments because our rent's going up in a couple of months. We're like, we need to go find another place. We were hoping, uh, long story short, we were hoping to, to stay here for a couple of months, uh, save up some more money and uh, rent a house. But it looks like it's working out this way at this point. But the last guy we met, you know, we ended up walking around and looking at other apartments with uh, another couple because um, he was the only guy working at the time. And they were nice. We got to talking with them. But, uh, you know, he asked where I worked, and I told him in Columbia, and he's like, well, why are you looking over here? And I told him because we're part of a church down here, and 
Uh, and then later on in the conversation, he asked, and it turned out towards the end of it, we both got talking. And he's not only a believer too, but he's a pastor. And they have this church plant, I guess, in, in Rockville uh, that started September. So I have his information. I'm going to call him up. I may go visit like one week on a Friday or something. Uh, but it was really cool. It was like this guy, you know, nice guy, very nice guy um, to begin with. He's showing us an apartment. I don't know what else he does. He's obviously a pastor and this and who knows what else. But he's not on TV today. Millions of people aren't singing his praises, praises yet. I, I bet he's a faithful man. I would guarantee that he's got a successful Christian walk. He said he came to faith after his mom died in 1988. And it was like, you know, I, I could just see in his eyes that this man is walking a life of faith. Um, and that's because it's for all people. It's not about what it looks like on the outside, guys, because that, again, can be works. It's about, man, it's about faith. It's about how does it apply in us and, and bring us through. But what is God calling you to trust in or be faithful in? You know, what is God asking you to be faithful in? Is your marriage? Is your marriage rough right now? Is it your job? Is it, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I know what God's asking me to be faithful in right now in my family and my finances in um, in, in just my time with him and uh, with my children and everything. Um, uh, be faithful not to step out and not to get myself uh, in trouble financially or in other things, but really just be patient and wait on him to handle things. Um, and I don't know what he's asking you, but that's what being faithful is, is saying, I don't have what I think or I feel I need right now, but God, I've prayed to God, I've sought God on this, and even then, even if I haven't yet, I know that the Bible says that he's got everything I need in his hands, yet I don't see it yet, so I'm praying and I'm putting my faith in that thing to come. Whether that thing comes in this life or in the next life, that's where my faith is, and that's what it means to be faithful, is saying, I know what God has asked me to do, whether I see it or not, I'm still going to do it until he tells me otherwise. And that's being faithful in the good or the bad, because it's easy when everything's going well and you've got a lot of money in the bank, so you to say, yeah, I'm being faithful with my money. But when, and sometimes it's hard to say that the other way around. And money's sort of, an easy example there it could be a lot of things it could be well you got a lot of friends it could be wow you've got a lot of job opportunities and you know sometimes the blessing can obscure the the reality of of our faithfulness there you know our faith really isn't trusted <coughs> until it's been tested right uh, but we will really inherit what god is calling us uh to be by being faithful in patience uh, Hebrews 6, 11-12 says, And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You know, you inherit the promise that God has by faith. We can't get the things of God by works. You know, like a classic story, Abraham, he can't get the promised child by sleeping with uh, Hagar. He had to wait for God to bring the baby into his wife, Sarah. He had to wait for, for God to... Uh, to answer that prayer. You know, it's not going to happen through the flesh. We're not going to be able to work up God's promises in our life. It's just, it's impossible. You can try all day. You know, like uh, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, they cut themselves all day. They ran around all day. They tried to get their God to light the altar on fire and nothing happened. But what did Elijah do? He was patient. He even doused it in water a bunch of times. And then he simply prayed a prayer of faith. And God said, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I will absolutely answer that because I work through faith. I don't work through ability. You know, we're waiting for the baby. Like when our babies were coming, there's nothing I could do to speed up the process. You know, in fact, you know, there's nothing I could do to slow down the process either. You know, the room wasn't painted in time. If the baby clothes weren't there in time, if insurance wasn't all set up, it doesn't matter because the baby's coming one way or another. That's the same way with faith is that 
man, we just need to wait and we need, we know it's coming. We can't really see it. You know, uh, when you first find out that you're pregnant, you can't really see the difference, but eventually you'll see the difference and you still, you don't really know what the baby looks like or what they're going to be until, wow, the baby's in your hands. The same way with the promises of God. We may not see it growing yet. We may not know what's happening behind the scenes, but maybe there will be that bulge of his promise one day and it'll come. You know, even uh, Jesus says that's what the last days are going to be. They're going to be birth pangs and, and the, the signs are going to come until eventually we say, wow, the Lord is back. But let's uh, go on. You know, we're, we're called to be saints here. And he says in verse 8, uh, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making a request if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, and both to wise and unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. You know, we're called to be saints. The word hagios, it's the most holy thing, a saint. And a lot of people and religions think that you have to do some, some sort of miracles, that there's this litmus test for being a saint. That you have to do miracles and then you die and then some earthly uh, uh, council determines whether you're a saint or not. And then maybe you get a coin and a statue and all of the good stuff. But really, what does the Bible say? You're a saint if you what? Have faith in Jesus Christ. Because that's all it takes. Because through that faith, guess what? Miracles are going to happen in your life. Through that faith, guess what? People are going to come to know the Lord, whether directly or indirectly. Um, it's, it's about our faith. And we're called to that, that it's a holy calling. And he says here that their faith, this faith of the Romans here, was spoken of throughout the whole world. Spoken of throughout the whole world. You know, just as much as the media might want to shut things down, just as much as China might want to keep certain things out, or, or North Korea, they want to keep the truth out and the people in, or, or in all these areas, people try through their flesh to subdue, subdue uh, movements, whether good or bad. Um, but eventually they're going to find out. You know, I can try and shelter my kids, and I will try and shelter them as much as I can from the things of the world, but eventually they're going to hear something. They're going to know something. They're going to uh, do something. My daughter was drawing something this morning, and I said, where did you learn about that? And then, you know, she shared with me. Uh, anytime she does something, fun or not, she always uh, says she learned it from her Mima. That's Ashley's mom. <laughs> like, no matter what, I mean, we know for a fact that a lot of us not. And we go, Mia, is that true? And she goes, no. And I you tell her, Mia, don't lie. <laughs> but it's funny, you know, she loves her Mima and she loves to throw Mima under the, the school bus. But <laughs> uh, Mima drives a school bus. So I thought that was funny. But, uh, you know, that. <laughs> But it says that their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world. That despite the oppression of the Roman regime, despite the opposition that they had, the faith of these people living in Rome reached the whole world. That uh, they didn't necessarily have to touch the whole world, but someone traveled. The word traveled. And we see that through about a lot of different people groups in the Bible. You know, but what is spoken of throughout the whole world today? You know, celebrity gossip, uh, the latest war or rumor of war. The latest and greatest gadget, car, band, etc., sports team. You know, a lot of people today claiming their team is the best sports team, and there's only two teams in the Super Bowl right now. Um, but how much longer did it take for that word to travel in those days? Today, something happens and you find out immediately. You know, sometimes uh, I have a friend in New York. He's an adult now, but I knew him when he was like 12 years old. He's a friend's little brother, 
and uh, he's involved in this video game uh, coming out. But anytime I hear some news about the video game system, I share it with him. And he goes, oh, I knew about that weeks ago. <laughs> I'm like, I just, it's, you know, like, how'd you know? <laughs> you know, we know instantly about things these days. Um, but in those days, it took a lot longer. It took a lot longer. And yet their faith made waves. Their faith carried out throughout the whole world. And that's what needs to happen, you know, because in this world, like we said, the world loves to pick apart uh, everything that goes on around it. The world loves to pick you apart, pick themselves apart, pick the world apart, pick candidates apart, pick movies apart, pick lifestyles apart. And what they need to see is faith because our works are not going to impress anybody. But faith does because faith is alien to the world. The world is looking for an alien to come down to earth right now. The world is, and they're going to get it, believe you me, but they're looking for something alien, something different than they're used to. And when they encounter true faith, that's it. Because faith is not of this world, guys. Faith, obviously, is in heaven. It's in the things that come. It's in the spiritual realm that, that God has provided for us. So when our lives are lived by faith, the world looks on and goes, I don't get that. I don't get that. You know, maybe they make fun of it. Maybe they write it off as religion or something else, or you're just crazy. But really, that's what's going to affect them is seeing your life lived out by faith. You know, that's what we hope the most for our kids, you know, uh, is that uh, they would see lives lived by faith because we know that that's going to impact them the most. And I'm sure you guys can relate is that, man, that's what's going to change other people's opinions. Whether they come to faith or not, I want them to see a life uh, lived by faith, that they might have that example, that no matter where they go in the world, that... Uh, that'll be spoken of always in their conscience, uh, in their minds. You know, it's, it's so often, again, we think that we need to do something to accomplish things. But we see here, it's faith. It's the patience. It's the waiting. It's the believing that makes the waves here. You know, have faith and rest. Have faith and rest. We see that all throughout the Bible, that faith and rest have this, uh, that are tied hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Uh, you know, it's not praying and doing nothing. Not, oh God, get me a job, and then you never go on career builder, so to speak. But it's doing everything, or, and it's not doing everything and not praying. Let me go on every job board, let me apply at every place I can see, and never praying about the right job to get. You know, Hebrews 4 1 through 5 says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Hebrews 4 is an awesome, awesome chapter. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, because it was not mixed with faith uh, in those who heard it. For we have believed, do enter that rest, as he said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. You know, what kept the Israelites who were rescued from Egypt from entering the promised land and rest from their slave labor? Unbelief. Joshua and the spies went in, they come back with this great report. They don't believe. They wander in the desert for 40 years. Why? Because they didn't believe the report that God had given them. They didn't see it. They didn't see what God was doing, and they didn't believe it. And so they were stuck in their circumstance. And that's so often with us. We're in a tough time. God speaks to us to word, or someone ministers to us to word, or we read a scripture, or we're praying about something, and we don't see the answer coming. And sometimes when the answer does come, we don't take it because we don't believe it. And so we end up wandering our little wilderness of whatever it is we're going through, and we miss out on the promised land that God has us. And God is faithful. You know, there's been seasons in my life where that's happened and I've wandered around. And then finally I go back to the place where I started at and I go, oh, this is where I get off. Like you ever get stuck in a roundabout? 
you drive in, you're like, oh, I don't know which turn to get out of. Oh, I just missed it. Uh, you know, and you keep driving or you're on the highway to get off the exit, you get on the exit, you don't know where you're going. And then finally you get off the right one. That's the same way with the Lord and with faith. As we're driving around the roundabout of life, God doesn't want you to be going circles and circles. He wants you to get off at the right exit. But, you know, try as hard as we might, you know, we just need to rest and say, okay, that is the right way to go. Even though I don't know what's over that hill, I need to go that way because that's what God has told me to do. But again, faith and rest go hand in hand. Uh, This is an anonymous quote, and maybe you know who quoted it or not. I don't. But it says, when we worry, we are assuming responsibility God never intended us to have. When we worry, we assume responsibility God never intended us to have. Because what do we worry about? What does the Bible talk about us worrying about? What we'll eat, what we'll drink, what we'll wear, what we're going to do, how much money we'll make, who's going to be in our life, who's not going to be in our life. And God says, you can worry all day and it's not going to make you an inch taller. You can worry all day and it's not going to change the fact. So why worry about it at all? Just be content with food and clothing because your Heavenly Father knows what you need. Knows what you need. And, And how do we get what we need from God? We wait. We have faith. We trust that He's going to do it and this is really paul's heart of a pastor that he's praying without ceasing for these people that he's heard of their faith he wants them to continue to have faith and so he prays for them and we should pray for each other you know i try and pray for you guys that that your faith would increase that you would continue to walk in faith i mean each one of you is is a blessing to us and um and to see you guys walk in faith is a joy. And if, if someone were to not walk in faith, even if you guys all say, hey, we don't want to come back here anymore, but we're walking in faith somewhere else, God bless you. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Just walk in faith. But if, if you guys don't show up for six months and I find out you're not walking in faith, I'm going to be broken. And I'm going to hope that you get plugged in somewhere. Uh, that's good. And, that, and that's the point is that, the, that that's what the heart should be for each other is that we want to see each other walk in faith. We want to be encouraged by the faith that we see walking out in someone else's life. Because really, you know, again, like it was kind of said yesterday, um, you know, we can't compare ourselves to each other. I can't look at your life and judge my life based on your life. Your life is completely different than my life. I can't even look at my brother's life or my sister's life and judge my own life off of them because their lives are completely different than mine. Um, uh, good or bad, in the same way we can't reverse it in a different way because... Um, we get expectations that way. We say, oh, why are they doing so good and I'm not doing so good? Or why am I doing so good and they're not doing so good? Why aren't they doing any better? Well, that's not how we should, we should compare each other. It should be compared based on faith and say, well, yeah, this family member of mine is not very successful, but they're so full of faith and they're spiritually successful. Or this family member of mine or friend of mine is very worldly successful, but their life of faith is non-existent. And when we look at Um, each other for encouragement it should not be by stature you know i can look at other guys who have started churches and ask them how it went for them and i can build up an expectation in my mind how it's going to go for us and when it doesn't go that way i could get very discouraged or if the vice versa you know if they look at our lives and say well how come it went this way for you but it's not going for me well that's because god doesn't play things out in the same way the important thing is that we have the faith i can look at the faith of a friend who's going through a hard time and it may be completely different circumstances, but if I see the result of their faith in their life, that gives me hope and encouragement to have faith in the circumstance that I'm going through. And that's sort of the way the Bible works a lot of times, is that, yeah, maybe it wasn't 2,000 years ago. Yeah, maybe the circumstances are different, but the faith is the same. The faith is what we can really encourage each other in, because none of us are alike. No two, no two of us are alike. Even twins aren't alike. So why would we expect our lives to be exactly the same? You know, and yet God wants to show himself faithful in each of those things, no matter how different they are.
You know why? Because we should be walking by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That the enemy of the faith, enemy of faith is, in a sense, the flesh. That our flesh wants to fulfill things outside of faith. And it's not always a bad thing that it wants to fulfill. Like, let's say it's marriage, or let's say it's hunger, or let's say it's the need to have a roof over your head, or things of that nature. The flesh wants to do it in its own way. The flesh will say, oh, well, you don't need to be married. Or the flesh will say, you don't need a job, just go rob a bank. Or, you know, the flesh will say, just just take that extra donut, whatever it is. Um, but it's not fulfilling in the same way. You walk away empty, you end up worried, you end up not having peace. You know, if, if we all colluded together and went and robbed the bank and had all this money, well, then what do we do? We can't really file the taxes for it. We'd be watching every TV station, make sure they, they didn't have our, our pictures plastered up. We wouldn't have any peace. We wouldn't have any rest because we went about it illegally through the flesh. And that's the same way in our Christian walk. When we go through things and try and receive the things of God through the flesh, we don't have any peace. We end up running around oh, like Saul. Oh, he's out to get me. i got to kill him. It's not the case at all. It's not the case at all. You know, truly serving God is done only through the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, it's not in works. It's not in some other name, but it's only by Jesus, for Jesus and with Jesus. If we're going to walk this life of faith, it's got to be with Jesus. We can't, walk, we can't walk a life of faith apart from Jesus. I mean, the world does it all the time, but their faith is in the wrong thing. And in the end, it's, it's not really faith. It's unbelief in God. Because true faith has only one outcome, and that's believing in God. Matthew seven twenty one through 23, very familiar scripture. Lord, Lord, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall, not, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That there are a lot of people out there who think they are serving God and serving God in faith, but they're not at all. That it's not faith at all, it's works. You know, our motives are going to be revealed on the last day, and God's going to go, well, your motive really wasn't faith in me. It was faith in yourself or faith in something else here. You know, it's very important that we check ourselves of where we're putting our faith in, even when we think we're putting it in the right way, even when we think we're going the right direction. Let's go on. Um, uh, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, verse 16, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. We're seeing that take place in Acts right now. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as is written, the just shall live by faith. You know, a couple of verses earlier, Paul said that he was a debtor to Greeks and barbarians, you know, and that there, there are people who have helped him grow up in the ministry um, uh, through many different ways. But it says that, that, that he knows that it was by faith. He knows that these people helped him by faith. Because when he first got saved, they all kind of like, didn't you just kill everybody? <laughs> Weren't you just the guy who was killing the church? And now we're going to help you. Remember Ananias and, and, and praying about that? But he says that righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. And the journey reveals God backs up his promise. You know, each step in our life needs to be taken by faith and not the flesh. You know, it says that the righteousness, uh, righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. And I tell you what, I've been learning in the past few years that really life is what? A series of problems, a series of decisions. You know, everything we do is a decision. And is that decision going to be based on faith or based on on the flesh and the way we're supposed to get through life the way god wants us to get through life is by going from faith to faith to faith to faith and, and really how's that faith why do you have to have faith in your life probably because there's some problem in your life 
there's some problem. Well, I need to have faith to get past this problem. So let me get through it by faith. And oh, now there's another problem in my life. Let me get through that by faith and so on and so forth. Because we all know that the more we try and do things in our flesh, the bigger problems tend to happen. You know, like if you tell a little bit, a little lie, then to continue that lie, you have to tell another lie and tell another lie and tell another lie. Maybe we all are in high school at some point, right? So you had to, you had to get through your life that way. Oh, well, my dog gave my homework. Well, you don't have a dog. Well, I meant my neighbor's dog eat my homework. Well, you live in the middle of the woods. You have no neighbors. I meant the cat. You know, you, you have to keep telling lies and lies to cover it up until you end up in a big mess and you're tangled and stuck. Um, and that's not the way God wants us to go through life. He wants us to untangle uh, that, that rat's nest in our life um, through faith. But as we close here in this last little bit, we're going to go from uh, what it means to live by faith to now the, the effects of of not having faith, the effects of really, in reality, turning from faith in God to turning to uh, uh, reliance on the flesh. Let's read 18 through 25. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their heart, in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Because of this, therefore, God says, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, uh, for, uh, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. Uh, and we'll finish out these verses here. And for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Um, and just to start off here, you know, this is the, the area that people like to harp on about homosexuality. And it's very true. And we'll see maybe some of the roots of that here. But that's just one thing in a major list. Homosexuality is the part of the sexual corruptness that happens here. But look at all the other things. Backbiting, hating God, violent, proud, disobedient to parents, unmerciful. All these things are in that same list. Um, that we like to pick just one thing out of it, which is a very evident time of our, our culture and our society. And it's very evident as opposed to um, God's judgment on us. But it says that wrath is revealed from what? Unrighteousness to unrighteousness. You know, a faith to faith reveals truth, but unrighteousness to unrighteousness suppresses the truth of God. But we know it can't be hidden. Like we talked about China, you know, just as much as they want to impress the truth of God, it still comes out. It still gets out. The truth uh, can't be hidden. 
And it says also that God has shown himself. God has shown himself. God has shown himself, not only in our conscience, like we talked about last week, that everyone does have a conscience and we either, uh, 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 what's that word? Uh, uh, quench it or we don't. We either sear our conscience or we listen to it. But he's also revealed himself to a nature. That when we look around, God is revealed in nature. God is revealed in the, the massive fusion bomb that's going off in the sun and in the stars. God is revealed in the way the seasons change. God is revealed in the grass and photosynthesis. God is revealed in the way light can refract and change and all these different things. God is revealed through squirrels. You know, my daughter loves seeing squirrels in the clouds and, you know, she knows that God has made them. But people love to, to turn away from that. And what's the, what's the major thing in our society that's done that? Well, it's Darwinism. It's people have said that, well, let's look at nature. God's revealed himself to a nature, and let's find every reason to try and believe that God does not exist. And how do we do that? Well, we start with nature. We take God's revealed gospel to us in the nature, and we turn against it. And I'm not saying that there's not micro-evolution. I don't like that the term evolution. That it, It's kind of blurs it all but macro evolution where a cat can become a dog so to speak or you evolve from a monkey sorry none of you are monkeys you know maybe you know sometimes I'm on the road and you know sometimes maybe someone's driving like a monkey but that doesn't mean that they're a monkey um but that's exactly what the enemy's done he said well uh we don't like to retain god in our knowledge we want to get rid of god out of all of our knowledge in society we see that happening today can't talk about God at school. We can barely talk about God in the public sector. And how dare you talk about God in government, even though that's where the government's authority comes from. It's God. That's what it's modeled after. But when you begin to take away the evidence of God in your life and begin to ignore that evidence and begin to sear your conscience to that evidence, well, all sorts of things happen. We look at the rise in school pregnancies and school shootings in, uh, in murder rate and disobedience and breakup of the family and uh, all these other things. Why? Well, it's because... We decide to put God out of our lives. I'm sorry, but guns are not the problem. I'm sorry, uh, you know, the, economic, the economy and the fact that capitalism is not the problem. The problem is that we don't look to God anymore. The problem is that we don't trust God anymore, that we don't believe in him when he says that it's, it's pornography is bad and it ruins a marriage and that it, you end up getting more child molesters out of it. Or kids get more pregnant because they're not told to have faith and wait for the one that God has for them. So they have sex outside of marriage. Then they get pregnant. Then they get STDs. Then they have abortions. And people, the life is, is stamped out. When you tell them that they're just evolved from a monkey and that their life doesn't matter, that it's just a cosmic chance and random chance, why wouldn't you off yourself? If your life is bad and the universe is just the universe and you evolve from a monkey, well, why not survive like the fittest and end your life because there's nothing after it? Seriously, if you really believe in all these things, just kill yourself. You'll be happier. But that's the fact is that those things aren't real and that when they do kill themselves, they go to face judgment. And without Jesus, you're in trouble. You know, if, if I'm wrong and the universe is just the universe and I die and I go into oblivion and nothing's there, well, what have I really lost out on? I'm dead. I don't exist anymore. I, if I don't exist, I don't remember whatever I probably missed out on in life because I was so concerned about pleasing a God that didn't exist. I missed out on nothing. But if someone who, do, who does believe in these things and does believe in the lie ends up dying, well, they're faced with the eternity of hell. You know, the Lord was reminding me of, of hell yesterday. And not that it's something I like to think about, obviously, but really think about it. It's uh, an eternal lake of fire where you can't see anything, where there's no one around to help you, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because you're in so much pain over the pain you're experiencing then. 
but also the, the distance you are from God. You remember all the chances you had in life because we remember these things. You remember how many people gave you an opportunity. You miss all your family. You know about them in hell. There's fire, obviously. There's a worm that's going to keep eating. It doesn't destroy. It's sulfur. Uh, it's uh, like a bottomless pit. You're falling forever and ever alone and separated from God. That's not fun. I mean, if we sit down and just think about that, that's not good. And that's not what God wants for any of us. And he says the only way to escape that is just have faith that I don't want you to go through that. Have faith that I died on the cross for you, that you don't have to suffer that because I didn't create that for you in the first place. And the enemy wants you to go there. The enemy wants you to suffer because he knows, the enemy knows what's coming. He's deceived and thinks that he can beat God. But even if, even if he knows the truth of where he's going, he's still going to do everything he can to bring you or I there with us. I mean, just this past week, I read about new tattoo, tattoo technology that's like a chip. They want to keep your financial records in it and your health records in it. And of course, why? You know, you could lose your cell phone, but you're not going to lose your hand. And with universal health care and money being so dangerous, let's all switch to credit. And the mark is coming. We're close, guys. We're very close. Um, we're very close. But the thing is, is that these people know it. These people know it. They've purposely left, as we close here, uh, the thought of God. You know, verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were dark, and professing to be wise, they became fools, verse 22, that they knew God. Whether it's they were believers, and they began to stop living a life of faith, and they began to put their faith in other places, that's really what's happened. I mean, look at the, the church. There was all these revivals in the 1800s and 1700s, at least in America, and then the church began to put their faith in other things, and put their faith in prosperity, and die out, and now look at our society. We're almost completely post-Christian. Look at Europe. All the Christianity that was involved in Europe, all the movements, the Protestant Reformation, everything. And now what? They're dead. They're gone. They're post-Christian. They're socialists. They're falling apart economically. You know, uh, Ashley and I started doing this uh, financial study that I had taught a couple of times at the church years ago. Um, just kind of get us on the same page and see, hey, is there anything else that we can do? And one of the things was it talks about taxes and, and, uh, and tithing. And it wasn't even talking about it, it was just a chart. And it was interesting that uh, the chart that they gave, the person's tithe was this much, and tax was twice as much. And I looked at it, and I said, well, that's the problem with America, is that the taxes are twice as much what people should be tithing. It's twice as much. Why do you think we're all apart in credit? Why do you think the whole world is in debt to each other? Because the world by flesh, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And I'll sell my Chicago stock market to the Chinese because it doesn't matter anymore because we want money. I'll sell all these things to other countries because we don't need sovereignty anymore. And, and nothing against Ch the Chinese. I, you know, I, I think it's, uh, you know, in a, in a sense for their people, it's good that they're becoming prosperous and hopefully relieve some poverty in them. But I think that the whole point is what I'm making is that we don't care anymore. Whatever it is, we'll, take, we'll side with whoever we want to get a buck. But it says that they changed God into their own image right there. Changed God into their own image that God wasn't who they wanted him to be. So they made him into themselves and they exchanged the truth for a lie. And that's what happens when God doesn't work the way we want him to work. We begin to make God into the one that we want him to work in the way that we work. Oh, God didn't come through for me in that. Well, maybe God does want me to do this. Maybe God does want me to do that. Maybe it is okay if I live with this person before marriage. God would understand, right? God, what is marriage? In, you know, I've had the argument come to me many times, you know, well, uh, what about marriage? Why do I have to get married just because aren't I married in God's eyes already? Well, no, the law of the land is that you should be married and God tells you to obey the law of the land. So you kind of have to get married first. 
but says they exchange the truth for lie. That people don't want to believe the truth. They don't want to believe the truth. They hear the truth these days and they don't want it because they love their sin. And this is what happens. This is what happens. God turns them over to it. Homosexuality, murder, all these other things. God is, is really judged us already. We're already experienced. These things are a sign of God's judgment already, of his abandonment judgment. God says, here I am. Oh, you don't want me? You sure you don't want me? Are you positive? This is what's going to happen if you don't want me. And not because I'm going to hurt you, but because you're without me, without the good in the universe, without the love of the universe, because I'm love, God says, this is what you're going to be left with. All right, because I love you, I'm going to let you do what you want. I'm going to let you have your free will. Come back to me anytime you want, but I'm going to have to let you do what you want to do now. And look at our society. Our society has turned, and people want to blame the things that are happening in our society on God. Not so. It's our fault for turning. God says, you can do what you want. You want to sleep with each other? You want to have SCDs? You want to tell people that I don't exist? <laughs> and you, people are going to start shooting up schools. People are going to start taking your rights away. People are going to start losing prosperity. You're, I've blessed this country with prosperity, and that prosperity is going to go away, and you're going to turn to other things for it. So bad, one point, where the whole world is going to say, we need an antichrist to save us. This man has all the answers. This man gives us everything we want. This man tells us we can do whatever we want and that there is no sin and that we can do whatever we want. And the world is primed for that. I know I've kind of taken it to the nth degree in 30 seconds there. That's really it. When we look around and we see the world falling apart right now, that's God's abandonment judgment. Because when I look and turn to my life and I don't see it falling apart, when I don't see my family falling apart, even when uh, something big could happen on the outside in our uh, situation, but our family is even stronger through those situations, I go, God's with us. God's with us because we've stayed with God. When I've turned from God even a little bit and I begin to see my life fall apart and I begin to see the important things in my life fall apart, it's because I've turned from God. I've brought myself in a place of disobedience where God can't bless it. God, God can't bless our society the way it is. God can't bring back uh, financial prosperity. God can't stop the, in a sense, you know, I'm not trying to limit God here, but God's not going to stop the school shootings until we say, let's start praying again. Until we say, we repent, God, we think that abortion's murder, because it is. We think that these sexual movements are sin because they are God, because they're not holy, because they're not of you. God is not going to restore this nation. God may bring a revival through all this stuff, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong that through this abandonment, God's not going to bring a spiritual revival and bring people to him through the darkness. But God is not going to bless this nation as a nation anymore, or this world as a world anymore, when the world doesn't want him. You know, The world's not his child. When, when we are his children, he's going to do everything he can to bless us. Even when we're sinning, he's going to be gracious and gracious to us. And eventually have to take away our sippy cup. Eventually have to take away our toys and make us sit in time out when we're doing something wrong because we're his children. But God can't bless this, guys. Just like God is not going to bless you or me when, we're, when God has told us, stop sinning. God, I want to be out of debt, but I keep using my credit card <laughs> for silly things. You know what I mean? Not that there's anything wrong with, with, uh, with consumer debt or things like that or responsible use of those things. I'm not saying that at all. But man, when we turn to the flesh, God says, I want to bless you, but I can't bless you. But I want to bless you. And how do we get blessed? By through faith. And the way that our country will be blessed again is if we turn back to faith. And, and I hope that that happens. And I'm kicking down my soapbox now. I'm a little passionate about that. But sincerely, we need to live a life by faith because it's not what the world's going to tell you to do. The world's going to tell you to do anything but. And the world has a whole bunch of advice for us, guys, right? The world's got a ton of advice for us. But look at how bad it's going for the world. Let's look to those who, by faith, have obtained a good testimony 
and follow their testimony home to heaven. Amen. Uh, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you, God, that you've given us a measure of faith. And God, I pray that, uh, Lord, you would help us get through life uh, from righteousness to righteousness, by faith, by faith, that the things that, God, we're struggling with, help us get them through by faith, through the problems in our life, whether our fault or just the fact that we're in the world. God, would you help us get through those things? God, if there's anyone in here struggling with debt or struggling with anything, God, I pray that you would bless uh, my friends in this room, my brothers and sisters in this room, and, and the, the people that we know that are believers. Be with them. And for those who are unbelievers, let them see the faith in our lives. Let them taste that and see and, and want you more. And God, help us to, uh, to be ready and be faithful when we come home. But God, we do pray for our nation that you would use these things to bring us back to faith. God, I know that you're not done with us. You don't want to be done with us, God. It's, it's really up to us. So God, would you, would you bring your church to repentance? And you, would, would you heal our lands like you promised in your word? In Jesus' name, amen.